I'm Erin Andrews, and this is what I wore when I was just beginning my career, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Playoffs. Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samitin. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. Weird fact about me. I've never sat down and watched a televised sporting event in my life. But I've known who Erin Andrews was since the early 2000s, when she started working as a sideline reporter for ESPN, probably because there were so few women in her field at that point. I'd argue that she's risen to become one of the most well-regarded and influential sports reporters in the game. And the fact that she landed a hosting gig on Dancing with the Stars speaks to her mass appeal with American audiences. I vividly remember when Erin's name made national headlines in 2008, when she was secretly filmed in her hotel room and the videos were posted online a year later. During our chat, she was so amazingly candid about how that 2008 trauma, as well as her 2016 diagnosis with cervical cancer and subsequent IVF treatments have shaped not only the way she dresses, but the way she lives her life. We also talked about height insecurity, mine around the fact that I'm 5'2", and hers around the fact that she was 5'4 in the third grade. She's 5'10 now. What it's like dressing for a ballroom competition show compared to dressing for the sidelines, and how her new clothing line, whereby Erin Anders, is setting out to redefine typical game day apparel. Here's our conversation. So I'm going to start by asking you what I ask everyone, which is, what are you wearing right now? I am wearing what was clean and ready to go in my closet. In all honesty, I have been living out of a suitcase for the past two months. I'm home like maybe a day to two days out of the week. And yesterday I just had Dancing with the Stars all day. Tonight I fly out to one of my two football games this week. So I'm wearing a comfy, cozy, gray Kern Elliott t-shirt. Um, which is pretty much what you'll see me in all the time when I'm not on television. A pair of page jeans and Adidas sneakers. Comfortable. Yeah, it's just kind of my staple outfit. Is Gray, that, white, or black t-shirt. Do you find yourself dressing like as casually as possible when you're not working? I have to because it's like yesterday I was just in heels for three and a half hours and I was in tight Spanx and a dress with three mic packs connected to my Spanx underwear. So yes, when I'm <laughs> off the ballroom floor, I all I want to do is just either be in like Lululemons or, you know, workout pants or, you know, comfy jeans and a t-shirt. And then, you know, when I'm on the sidelines, I try to be comfortable, but I also have to, I mean, we're reporting to 20 million to 50 million people. So you have to do, you have to step it up a little bit, but I also have to be functional on the field. I have to run around and I'm on my feet for about four to honestly six hours um, when we do a football game. So yeah, you have to be functional, good looking and uh, able to walk. So it's a lot. Yes. When I am off camera, I am comfy cozy. I want to talk more about the sideline stuff Mm -hmm. in a little bit. But because the podcast is called What I Wore When, you're going to talk about what you wore when you landed your first on-air 
gig. Right. It wasn't my first on-air gig, but it was kind of when my first gig that was like, this is the biggest game I've ever worked in my career that led me to really the beginning of my career. What year was this? It was 2004. And what did you wear? Well, it was 2004. It was game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, Tampa Bay Lightning, Calgary Flames in Tampa Bay. I wore, um, I I'd also want to preface this whole thing by saying I had been on the road for a month covering the NHL finals. So um, I was, you know, in between going to malls and shops and trying to keep up with what city I was in. I was traveling from San Jose to Colorado to Detroit to Calgary to Tampa. So I was all over the map. I got to Tampa Bay. I'm from Tampa Bay. And uh, it was a huge game. Game sevens are like the biggest games in all of sports. Those are just like the major ones. I was like, I really, really need like an awesome shirt to wear. And we went to Ann Taylor and it was in the front of the store, the front table in the front of the store. I still remember. (laughs) Oh yeah. Summer. It was summer. It was June. And it was bright fluorescent green. I remember there was a yellow fluorescent one. I remember there was a pink one. For some reason, that green fluorescent one was calling my name. And I wore it with gray pants. I had to wear flats because game seven, someone was going to be awarded the Stanley Cup and I had to walk out on the ice. So they tell you you have to wear flats because you're walking on that ice. And if you take a tumble, that's your problem. Um, So yeah, that was the outfit. What... So what did the shirt look like? A couple shades lighter than Kermit the Frog on the fluorescent side. I mean, something about it was really screaming to me. Like, Is it a button down? Um, no, V-neck. Uh, I think it was a, uh, it wasn't long sleeve. I think it was like maybe three quarter length. Um, you know, the cotton, not cotton, but whatever uh, blend it was that could nick really easily. Where yes. you're like, oh, oh man, my God, on. yes. Like all your jewelry gets caught in it. Yeah, your purse, like something, you know, glides up on it. You're like, oh, crap. So why did you, like, what was your thought process? No idea. But there was another sideline reporter that was working the game as well. And she bought the yellow version of it. What? And so when we showed up at the arena for game seven, we were both in Ann Taylor V-necks, three-quarter. I picked the green, she picked the yellow. And it was like, oh my God, thank God we did not get the same color shirts. Oh Um, my God. The visuals of it now are hysterical because the game was epic. The series was epic. They always replay it on the NHL network, which we have in our house because my husband's a retired hockey player. And the shot of me in the shirt, and you have to remember the shots that they take, I'm up against the white ice. So you just see fluorescent green and this badly dyed blonde hair and this, you know, it's just, it's it's a treat. And then... My, I always try to see when I go back and visit home, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a huge photo in the opening or like the, the main entrance of their arena. And it's a look down on the ice when they won. And you just see all these players in black jerseys and then you see this green shirt. <laughs> it's awesome. And do you still have this shirt? No, God, no. And then what do you think just when you see it? engraved in my head, my memory forever. What do you think when you see it? I like, think it's on cute. Replay. I think it's, you know what? It cracks me up. I think it's cute. I mean, I I wouldn't call myself a fashionista now. I definitely know what I like and don't like to wear on television and, and what looks good on me. But 
I think it's cute. I, I think it's somebody that would of, of somebody that was just starting to make it. She had no idea what was going to happen to her after that series was over. Literally after that series was over, I had ESPN offering me a three-year deal to sign with them and become their main sideline reporter. So that was obviously life-changing. But I was walking around the mall with my mom and dad, you know, looking for my shirt to wear. Game seven. How freaking cool is that? And it was awful. Why did I pick the green one? Who knows? Did you think it would help you stand out on TV? I don't know what in God's name was going through my mind. This is adorable. Well, the crazy part is my dad is on television as well. He's an investigative reporter. And he, I don't know, I I, I have to ask him. I do remember being with them, but I don't remember what the heck we were thinking. It was like, there it is, front of the store. Let's grab it. And how did you feel like that day, putting that on, knowing that you were about to embark? Mark on something that could be, you know, super career defining for you. How did you feel that day? Like oh, obviously with the awesome. sweater, but like, did you feel awesome? Oh, it was Were the you biggest, nervous? Yeah, it was the biggest game I'd ever covered in my career. Also, side note, the Tampa Bay Lightning was my very first job out of college. Wow. I was their sideline reporter. My first year out of college, it was my first paycheck I had ever gotten and I lived with my mom and dad while I did it. It was awesome experience. From there, I went to TBS and Turner for two years and then here I was kind of auditioning for ESPN and they put me on the NHL playoffs. And I was so excited because it was the team I started covering and it was my team and they were in the Stanley Cup finals and I was preparing for, you know, the interviews on ice and I was hoping it would be the lightning. And yeah, I was pumped. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. So you grew up in Florida, in Tampa Bay. Yeah, born in New England, but we basically were raised in Florida. Um, Went to college in Florida as well. How did you dress when you were a teen or a tween? Like, what were you into? So my mom's side of her family is Viking and they are very tall. I hit a growth spurt in third grade where I was about 5'4", 5'5". And I stood out and I stood out forever until God, even my prom pictures are so embarrassing. Like the boys are all shorter and I am, which I'm doing right now, slouched just because you don't, you don't think of yourself as like, oh, hey, I'm the same height as Giselle. This is amazing. You're just like, I stand out. This is crazy. I also wasn't gaining weight at all when I was younger. So, I mean, we were going through the shakes and all that. My mom had to put me in elastic like jeans, elastic jams, elastic everything. I mean, I was bony. I was tall. I was awkward. I'm bow-legged. So yeah, those were some tough goes. I don't think my mom helped me out at all with my haircut either. I mean, we were rocking (laughs) some bangs Mm -hmm. uh, that really went really back on the forehead. I mean, that hairline was quite interesting that... I don't know where we were getting our haircuts done, but um, yep. So that was an awkward time, and so you um, weren't interested particularly no, in fashion or no. style. It was really hard to dress me. It really was because I was a gangly situation. Would you go shopping with your mom for clothes? Yeah, yeah. But it was like what we could find to fit me was just super awkward because everything was falling off my little flat bum and, you know, like jeans. I remember all the girls having Z Cavariccis and guest jeans and like they never looked right on me because it was just like the long hairy legs and, you know, it's just, it. yeah, wah, wah, get the violin out, right? My mom always said to me, 
enjoy these days because I tell you, you'll wish for these days back. And my God, is she right? I would die for like that stuff. Why? Why? Oh God. Cause I mean, what woman now you don't want to worry about your weight and all that. And I mean, my mom used to be long and lanky like me. And she's just like, I don't want to hear about it. You're going to one day like miss this stuff. So yeah. Is that something that you worry about? What's that? Your weight? No, I I don't. I think for me, I'm obsessed with working out just more so because of what it does for me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a total a-hole when I don't work out. It just, it creates so much anxiety for me. I feel like, first of all, 45 minutes to an hour without my phone is welcomed. Um, it also is a place for me to get out some anxiety, break a sweat. I just need that mentally. Yes, I appreciate what it does for me physically, but I've really never been a person that worries too much about my weight. I This off season, I have an off season from February to August. I really tried to work on cutting certain things out of my diet. I love to eat. My husband loves to eat. We are a three appetizer order kind of crew. We get two entrees. We split them. We love a dessert. We enjoy it. We enjoy drinking. We enjoy all that stuff. But I just felt like this summer, I kind of wanted to watch a little bit of my intake and then have a good time on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And it did. It definitely has changed my body quite a bit. But um, yeah, no, weight has never been something I'm obsessed with. Do you consider yourself in adulthood a shopper? Like, do you love shopping? Yeah, I mean, I right now during my hard period of like where I'm juggling two football games and dancing with the stars and making a clothing line, I don't really, I I don't have time. Thankfully, I have people that do it for me. But yes, I'm very into clothes. I'm very into, you know what I'm into? I'm into seeing what girls I respect style-wise and who I look at. I like to see what they're wearing. Like who? Giselle is obviously a huge one. Rosie, I love. Um, I always kind of just like take pictures of these girls and send them to um, my stylists and just say, okay, how can we get this? What can we do? Um, so you yeah. work with a stylist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how do you describe your style? Like your own style? My personal what you gravitate style, toward? I would say, I mean, I would always say tomboy, but then I had someone say, no, it's tomboy chic. So <laughs> I guess tomboy chic, I'm comfortable. Um, probably pretty predictable when I'm not on camera. Um, so yeah. Like comfy. if you're going out for dinner with your husband mm-hmm. or going out to drinks, what do you like to, what do you, what would you throw on? Probably anything like, obviously like a pair of jeans or probably distressed a little bit, maybe a t-shirt, maybe a tank, probably a leather jacket, a bomber of some sort. That's like my style. Honestly, as lame as it is, I I do. I look at a lot of like what Giselle wears and I'm I'm into that whole vibe. Like what is her vibe? Comfy, subtle. Yeah, I've actually talked to her about it, you know, because I, when I was beginning to do this clothing line, um, I, I just wanted to pick her brain because I, I looked at some of the things that she had worn to Super Bowls and games when she supports Tom. And I was like, you know, can I talk to you about what you wear? And she's like, I'm very simple. I'm very comfortable. I'm very subtle. And um, I like the, you know, I, you know, way she pairs things together, how she dresses for certain things. I remember one time she was doing Jimmy Fallon and she was just in these hot pair of leather pants, heels and a gray sweater and a ponytail. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. I, I love pants. I mean, I love being comfortable in pants. I wore a, a romper jumpsuit to my wedding reception. Um, nothing against, you know, wearing a dress, but I was just like, I, I like to get, you know, comfy and get in a pair of pants. Do you feel like because, you know, you mentioned Giselle, you mentioned Rosie, these are obviously like beautiful women. Do you feel like the way 
you're built, like you're super tall, you're, you're thin, you're really attractive. Like, do you feel like it's easier for you to take that sort of like comfortable route and have it work for you? Cause I feel like so many women sort of wish they can do that. Mm-hmm. And then they actually like, I'm short and I feel like, yes, it's cute when I wear like jeans and like See, I a find sweater. that so interesting. I have so many friends that are, are like, I'm short. I have to wear heels. I'm like, no, you don't. Why do you have to wear heels? And they're like, because I'm short. I'm like, who cares? Like, I feel like when you're a tall woman, no matter how you're built, even just like a tall woman, you can get away with so much. And really? you always look so good. Yes. Seriously? What? I mean, I just feel like it's because I have zero like idea what I'm doing. So I think what's really dressy and fabulous is where I when, when I wear a bodysuit and a blazer, it's like, whoa, baby, I've right. stepped out, but, but it's like, like it not, it's lame. I just feel like, I, I mean, I feel like people always sort of envision themselves, their lives being better by what they don't have. And I always oh, say sure. like, if I can change one thing about myself, it would be my height. Absolutely. Really? Oh my God. Like, I feel like being short has caused me so much distress in oh, my life, no. which is this crazy. Is so interesting. Why? I don't know. It's just like an insecurity thing. Really? Yeah. And I feel like the way, I mean, a lot of my friends, my sister, like we're all pretty petite and mm-hmm. we always say that clothes would just look better. They just look better on tall women. No offense really? to short women. I'm super short, everyone. I'm 5'2". But like... I know a lot of short girls that look so cute in clothes. I think the tides are starting to change a little. Like I'm seeing more women in the public eye that are petite. Mm-hmm. I just... Growing up, there were none. Really? Now, like for better or worse, there's like Kardashians and like there's reality stars that are petite. And like, I kind of feel like they're changing it a little, just showing that you can be... Yeah, but I'm a moose out here in Hollywood. I mean, nobody's as tall as I am. I literally am like the jolly green giant walking around out here. Like everyone is super little. So, I mean, I feel like I'm with your people. I don't even look at you as little. That's so funny. Try having arms that are really skinny and hairy. I mean, that you want to talk about things that like upset you when you're a child. It's like, mom, can I shave my arm? She's like, go ahead. And then you take the razor and you go the wrong way. And you're like, mom, I'm bleeding. And she's like, yeah, don't do it again. She taught you a lesson. Oh, yeah. Or the days when I would like try to shave my legs and you go the wrong way with a razor and you're just gushing blood and you're like laying in the shower with your leg up like against the wall because you don't want your mom to see that you need stitches. What a time. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you started to get successful, however you define success, mm-hmm. when you started to get successful and started making, you know, some real money of your own, was there anything that you bought like a fuck it purchase, like a $5,000 bag yeah. or like a hot like car? Like you did like, one of those where what you're did like, you get? holy shit, this is like rent in New York City. This is unreal. Yeah. Like my first Louis Vuitton tote bag. That you bought yourself. Yeah. And then I got a Gucci one and I remember walking around New York with my family and the 
freaking handle broke. And my mom's like, oh, we can like tie it up. I'm like, mom, I spent like a lot of money on this. (laughs) And then, you know, my mom's like, what? You're going back and you're taking it back. Um, Yeah, I did that. Now it's like, I'm lucky if I even have a purse on me. I walk around with like a freaking Toomey backpack because that's just my life. But yeah, a big purchase was like, it wasn't like the sensible purse. It was like the stupid tote bag that now is like up on the top of my closet now because I never even use it. What do you like spending money on now? Like when you want to treat yourself. Like treat what do you yourself. treat yourself? What I just you did like? a great facial on Saturday and I bought so many products that I know I won't even use and like gadgets for my face that was hilarious. I was like, oh yeah, I need this. And my facialist was like, you can use this at Dancing with the Stars before they put their makeup. And I remember my husband coming home and he's like, what is all this? And I was like, I'm going to use it on Monday before. Yeah, I was like, babe, my my I, I got to start investing in my face. I'm so tired. Like, the, you know, pretty soon people are going to tell how tired and old I am. I got, I need all these tools. Well, what happened yesterday? I freaking forgot. <laughs> So like all that money I spent, I was supposed to have it in my dressing room and they're like in my freezer at home. So it didn't go so well. Whatever, it feels so good. Got the Jillian Dempsey gold bar. I was really excited about it. I didn't even use it yet though. Oh my God. So when you're doing Dancing with the Stars, like, can you just explain how this works? Like dressing wise? Because I think of Dancing with the Stars and obviously I think of, you know, gowns and sparkly outfits and tanning. Like, do you do you get a say in what you wear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I work with Anita Patrickson and she dresses me for dancing. And I actually have gotten more compliments this year on what I've worn. And I think we were kind of on this vibe this year that we were like, I'm so sick of dressing for the ballroom. This is so lame. Like I, we put more pants in. Yeah. We put like just kind of dresses that you wouldn't normally see me in. Um, I'm not really a ballroom kind of girl. Um, let's be honest. And so it's cool. She, yeah, we do a huge fitting at the beginning of the year. And we kind of say what we like, what we don't like. She's kind of changed her style around with me a little bit, which is good. So um, it's nice because I feel like this year I'm kind of dressing more like myself versus trying to play a part. Um, But it's hard. I mean, you know, I'm... I'm coming off a game on Sunday where I've been on my feet all day. Then I travel all the way back. The last thing I want to do is put on a pair of heels and a a gown. But look, you do it for two hours. It's really fun in the setting that you're in. It's a ton of makeup. Um, I don't really like to wear a lot of makeup in my life, but they put a ton on and you've got these eyelashes that can reach the camera lens and you're like, holy crap. Um, I come home, like I came home last night and my husband's just like, whoa, and trying to pull out 15 braids out of my hair. And oh yeah, I'm a hot mess. Does it take usually for makeup for that show? To, to be in makeup? Yeah. I'm in makeup for probably, well, it, it's certain periods of time. So I'm in the chair probably from 11 to 1. And then we go to a full two-hour dress rehearsal. And then we have an hour before we're back live. So probably like a three-hour makeup session. I mean, but it's not a, a ton of contouring. Like it's just like a little bit here and then I'll eat and then she'll do my eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. What about when you're on air for games? Mm-hmm. How do you, how does that work? Do you just show up in whatever you want? Are no, there like I approved- actually have um, a girl that works for Fox that dresses me for my games just because it's it's a lot to handle. And, and you're also, you have to realize when you dress for games, you can't wear the colors that the teams wear. Right. You're also dealing with the elements like last week. I was in New England. It was supposed to be chilly, but it was supposed to be like a fabulous early October night where I just had this fun like aviator page leather jacket on. We're going to do it like a chunky sweater and call it a day with these like, you know, fabulous Givenchy boots. And 
a freaking nor'easter came in and it was this wind that was just absolutely piercing and it, it, it was awful. And I was like, my husband came to the game and I ended up saying to him, can you go buy me a freaking like hat? Cause my ears were so cold. So he had to go get me like a, uh, like a skull cap to wear. And, um, it, I was, I wore like four pairs of thermal underwear because I didn't have time to change my outfit. So you're dealing with the elements, you're dealing with colors, you're dealing with sometimes it could rain, sometimes it doesn't. Like I, I have a game in Denver this week and I know what the temperatures are, could be, but then it could absolutely change. So there's a lot going on. I've talked to a lot of women in different industries, especially industries that could be considered pretty male heavy. And I know that there's sort of a fine line to walk, right? With the way you look. Like, are you ever conscious of looking too good? I've kind of, since I've started in the industry, I feel like I haven't... I I pay attention. I'm sensitive towards how I have to look to be respectful towards my job. But I've also... I feel comfortable now saying I kind of was somebody that just said, I'm not doing this. Like... I remember one comment that was made to me way back in the day when I had hair extensions, you know, down to my like chest. And I was just like, you know, real housewives, like, hell yeah, you know, white blonde hair, which I was just looking at, dear God. I remember someone saying to me, you're never going to get Monday night football with that long hair. Are you freaking kidding? What does that have to do with anything? And I feel like kind of how I took the attitude, I'm not going to wear an oversized blazer and oversized freaking polyester pants because that's what everybody's doing with the short bob. Like I'm not doing that. And I went and I slapped on hair extensions and I colored my hair and I I just cared about the way I looked and I was into fashion. I remember I hired a stylist, you know, when I first got to ESPN and because I needed help. I was in four different cities. I didn't know what was cool. And I wanted someone to help me out. And I remember starting to post my outfits and just saying what I was wearing and then just kind of seeing girls starting to do that. So I feel like I've kind of been a person that's just said, I respect the culture. I respect what um, this is all about. And I, I feel like I respect it because of the time I put in and the work that I put in. But I also am like, I'm a female and I'm proud of it. And I like looking a certain way. So I'm going to do me. But it's taken me a long time to say that. It really has. Because, you know, being in a male dominated industry, you piss off a lot of people when you do that right away. And I was always kind of like, what, what? I'm just doing me. But now it's like, I'm so glad I did it because it's like it, it needed a change. And, and there were a lot of women that really were annoyed with me. I remember one female making the comment, um, oh, what do you think of Erin Andrews? You know, she's kind of taken sideline reporting by the, you know, by the horns. And she said, when you're when you're a part of the circus, you have to tolerate the clowns. And I was like, right. oh my God. Oh, yeah. But I mean, pe- did you people- brush that off there or did you feel well, like. Well, obviously, I still you- keep it inside me. Yeah, and like I know who said it. <laughs> and every time I see her, I always want to be like, really? That yeah. really bitchy comment you made towards me? Um, I don't even know if she knows I know that. But Do you think that's jealousy at the time? I think those people that thought maybe when I first came on scene, I didn't respect all the work that they had put in and what trailblazers they were and are. But um, what they didn't realize about me was that I was at the time is that I wasn't all fluff. I actually was really appreciative of the work they put in and they molded me. But a lot of them kind of took it as look, they're threatened. But I mean, all of us that are in a competitive industry, you you don't want the next thing walking in through the door because then you're like, oh shit, I got to tighten this up a little bit. But um, yeah. Do you feel like you've been 
I hate the phrase role model, but been like a model of sorts to younger women in your field that are coming up? Yeah, I mean, I... I don't really love it because you mean you're getting old, but no, I know I have. I've had a lot of great women reach out to me and like tell me they're super excited about what I've done and and all that. And I'm so appreciative of it. But I mean, at the same time, I'm still trying to find, I feel like I found my path, but I'm still trying to figure all of it out. But yeah, no, I I absolutely, I'm respectful of the role that I have. And I think that's why I carry myself a certain way because I know that there are young girls, you know, watching and you don't take dr- pictures with drinks in your hands and you don't act and you're a fool aware, you're aware of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to be. In 2008, something profound happened mm-hmm. to you. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about mm-hmm. it, but essentially in 2016, you won a lawsuit against yep. your stalker. And I'm wondering in the context of our conversation right now in this mm-hmm. podcast, when when that all was going down, 2008, right? 2009. Yep. Did that instance change the way you approached getting dressed? Yeah, I remember I was living in Atlanta at the time when the incident happened and I left my home in Atlanta to go be with my parents in Tampa. And I remember I was taking a shower in my bathroom that I grew up with and my dad covering, we already had like the windows were already blacked out in my shower, obviously. My dad just like hanging something over our window. And I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, you have a stalker. Like I have to cover all the windows in the house. And I was like, holy shit, dad. So yeah, I mean, and very, to be honest, and I think I said this on the trial stand, like I blamed myself for so long. Like why was I walking around my hotel room naked? Why was I doing that? But it was like, I was getting ready for work. I mean, like, hello. It's a hotel room. And no offense. I mean, it, 90 degrees, And yeah, it is. And I remember Oprah saying that to me in an interview. She's like, why are you apologizing? But I think I made so many like excuses and I felt like I had to apologize to everybody when really I should have been the one getting, you know, the apologies and people saying sorry to me. So do you realize um, that now? Yeah. It's taken me a really long, long time and I'm still working on that, but it's crazy. Like this past summer and I used to always be like, who cares about a podcast? But I'm telling you, podcasts have changed my life in like thinking about that. I was listening a lot to Oprah's Super Soul Sessions in the summer. And so many of them that I listened to, like I, one I listened to about being a victim and you choose to be a victim. And uh, she had a um, survivor of the Holocaust on and it was driving. And she now mentors people that have been sexual, sexual assault victims, people People who have just gone through different things in their lives and they say, I feel dumb talking to you because you survived the Holocaust. Like, what? I mean, how could I compare what I've been? And she's like, it's not about that. It's about moving forward and stop putting blame on yourself. And it's also, you're not, that doesn't define you. This doesn't define who I am. And so I remember listening to that and I remember crying in my car and I missed my exit because I had a tear in my eye and I couldn't see. And I was like, oh no. But yeah, just so many things of the way that unfortunate um, ordeal kind of shaped me for about, I don't know, 10 years of my life. I mean, 
I was a real bitch to people who were trying to take my picture and, and, um, you know, would see me at a bar and like hold their phone up. I mean, I used to go up to people and grab their phones out of their hands and say, delete it, delete it right now. You don't have my permission to do that. Well, that was PTSD from someone taking video of me and putting it on the internet and me not having a choice. But you also cannot live your life like that. That is crazy talk that I was doing. And I, again, was listening to an Oprah um, podcast and she had a guy on who was, um, I don't know, I, I don't remember who he was, but um, he, an African-American gentleman and written a ton of books and just trying, you know, talking about his philosophy. And he was at the airport one time and he was late for his flight and he ran behind the counter and grabbed one of the tags and scribbled his name. And he saw a cop across the way staring at him. And he's like, oh crap, this cop is staring at me. I'm just trying to make my flight. He's, you know, checking his bag in a cop's still standing at him or staring there looking at him. And he's like, this is going on for five minutes. And he said for five minutes, he created all this negative toxins and he put it back into the atmosphere and into the environment because he put a whole story in his head. Like this cop is looking at me. I'm black. He's about to approach me. This is going to go down. This is going to be ugly, blah, blah, blah. Cop walks up to him at the end and he goes, I'm obsessed with you. My wife and I have your books. We've listened to your talks. You've changed our life. And the guy's like, I just created this whole scenario in my head. And that's what I was doing with people that I would walk past and I would hear them whispering about me or them taking pictures. Like a fan. Like, oh, look, it's Aaron I was thinking in my head, they're talking about the video. They're taking pictures of me. They're thinking of the video. What am I taught? Why am I doing that? So a lot of those like just kind of different ways of thinking really kind of changed my mindset this summer. And you are able to now, I mean, if you saw somebody on the street right now with a phone in their hand, like you're just like, whatever, like you don't care. Yeah. A lot of the times I'll like stick out my tongue and do a peace sign or be like, <laughs> you know, just dumb, but yeah. Teenage yeah. Shit. yeah. In 2016, you were diagnosed with cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what a life this gal's had. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> when did she get a break? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. But like... I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but like that goes back to like thinking yourself as a victim. And yeah, but so you were diagnosed with cervical mm-hmm. cancer in 2016. And yep. I know I read a lot about your sort of journey with fertility mm-hmm. as a result of the diagnosis. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I had just because it was kind of the thing to do and I didn't know when I was going to get married or if I was going to marry anybody or when that was going to happen. I had for I had gone through a cycle of IVF just on my own, like just to try to be like, hey, I'm going to freeze my eggs. I'm in my mid thirties, blah, blah, blah. Let's try it out. So then I get diagnosed with cervical cancer and I was in the... Uh, just examination room with my husband and our my oncologist walked in and he said, are you guys freezing embryos? And we just said, nope, I've done a bout of eggs back in the day, but we haven't done embryos. And he's like, you need to, because you may have to have a hysterectomy. And if you do, you're, you're not going to have anything. So that was the first time I think my husband was like, whoa, we got to do this. And so we did. And yeah, I mean, I'm, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody who said, you've always been really vocal about IVF. And, and how is your husband about that? My husband and I are complete opposites in the respect of like how we communicate. I'm very out there, open. He is very reserved and quiet. But 
I, he hasn't really enjoyed me being very vocal about IVF from this, from in the beginning, but now he gets it more because it's a lonely place. I've done five cycles of um, trying to freeze eggs and embryos, and it's really, really hard. It's an emotional roller coaster. You like, it's a hard for the man, it's hard for the woman, and you feel like you're by yourself. But the crazy thing is, so many people are going through it and they don't talk about it. And I really don't understand that. Um, and it's crazy because my husband, once he started realizing how many friends of ours that have had babies that way or how many people are doing it and how freaking hard it is, he starts feeling comfortable about it. So I've just always said to him, like, who cares if we're talking about it? Because do you know how much support that gives other people? I mean, why wouldn't we? Yeah, I feel like there's so much about being a woman that is so like secretive that shouldn't be. I mean, IVF, even just like childbirth and the way you feel after, just like so much stuff that you don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Miscarriages. And I feel like the more you talk about it, the more in your own small way you normalize Mm -hmm. it. And I think that's super important. So did you find that going through all that like affected, I mean, obviously your mental health, it takes quite Mm -hmm. a toll, but did it affect your body in ways that... that you didn't expect? I mean, it's a lot. I, you know, you obviously can't work out for a while, which is hard. That's one thing that I like, if you could work out while you're doing IVF, I think that would be so much easier because you're putting all these hormones into you. You're crazy as it is. And then they're like, and now you can't work out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like you're taking away something I love. I need to work out because I'm a crazy person now with all these hormones in me. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to go through. I remember when we... One time we were, you know, I was doing a round of it and I was trying to watch what I was eating because I was like, I'm. I, it was maybe like I'd done back-to-back cycles and my husband's like, I'll make you a smoothie. And I was like, okay. And I was hopped up on hormones and he, I said, just no peanut butter. I just don't want peanut butter. It's like fattening or something like that. And he accidentally put peanut butter in it. And I go, you put peanut butter in it. And he goes, are these the hormones or is this you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you just don't know anymore. Yeah. You're just like, fuck the peanut mm, butter. Yeah. Um. Are you, do you feel like you're in a good place right now? With? In regards to just sort of like, obviously you've gone through so much, just how mm-hmm. you're, just a good mental mental headspace. Yeah, I think mentally I'm, I'm good. I don't know where I am half the time just because I'm in so many cities, but yeah, I think I'm good. I mean, look, we, we're trying to figure out right now about having a baby and that's a lot for I obviously any couple, whether you are able to conceive naturally or not. We are, yeah, we're dealing with a lot with that right now, but it's crazy. We're sitting in the middle of my dancing with the stars dressing room last night with my glam team and we were all talking about it. And my hair guy who I love so much, who's gone through the cervical cancer talk with me in that dressing room and who's gone through this with me is like, look, either way, you're going to get a baby. So it's like, no matter how you do it, who gives a crap? And it's like, yeah, you're you're pretty much right. Yeah. Take it from the guy over here in the room <laughs> that right. curls my hair. Tell me about your clothing line. So I created um, an NFL female apparel line this year. And um the reasoning behind it, A, I'm a fan and B, I felt like there was a huge white space in the team apparel world for women. I just felt like there were way more options for men. And um, my husband, retired NHL player, but when he was playing, I wanted to wear something that 
you know, I was cheering on his team, but afterwards when we went to dinner, wasn't something loud and proud, LA Kings. And um, also, I, you know, being at these stadiums and seeing all these women, I had a lot of women say to me, just, this isn't functional. It's not really comfortable. I can't really wear it out and about. So I just thought, okay, let's look at my clothes. Let's look at the staples that I have. T-shirt, hoodie, zip up, bomber jacket, jean shirt. And uh, we created nine styles for all 32 teams. And the one thing we pride ourselves on is you could wear it. It's called Wear by Aaron Andrews. You can wear it everywhere and anywhere, not just at the stadiums, not just at tailgates. You can wear it all throughout the week. Still cheer on your teams, but feel fashionable as well. We did a lot of color on color with the logos. So like if this was a shirt, it would have a gray logo on a gray shirt. So not so in your face, but you're like, oh, that's a cute shirt. Oh, you're a Cowboys fan. You're a Bears fan. You're a Pats fan. Um, You know, we have ways of putting the logo on the shirts or hoodies, like on the sleeve or on the side. Again, not all like across your chest and in your face. How involved are you in the design? Well, this being the first year, very involved. Um, yeah, I have a I have a friend who's working on the next line with me, which has been very helpful down the road. But yeah, this first this first season, I was very involved. Where can people buy it? You can buy it at nflshop.com or you can buy it on Fanatics as well. What's your favorite piece? My favorite piece would be the bomber because I am, like we've discussed... I wouldn't consider myself a fashionista, but I have probably like seven bombers in different colors. And that makes me feel fashionable. I feel like you can dress up, dress down yeah, an outfit. Yeah, they're just eternally cool. Yeah, and that's what I think is cool about our bombers. You know, they are the team colors, but we did it in a way that it's like, oh, wait, that's cool. Oh, it's a team jacket. Um, there's a lining on the inside with your team's uh, logo. There's on the back of it, it's color on color saying your team's name. So I think that's a really cool one. Awesome. Yeah. I want to do a quick speed round. That sure. We do. I love a speed round. Love a speed round. Um, okay. So just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, God. What's the last thing that you bought? Could be anything. Like the last thing you swiped your card on. Travel texturizing spray Ooh. to bring to Denver. What brand? Orbe. Perfect. The best. Smells great. Smells great. What was your first concert? New Kids on the Block. Yes. Where in Florida? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. 11th row. I had fingers full of warts. I grew up with like warts all over my fingers and I had to put the acid on them and it hurt so bad. And one summer, my mom's like, if you do this every single day and you get rid of those warts, I'll take you to New Kids on the Block. Yes, please. What would be your last meal on earth? Um, fried chicken with mashed potatoes and biscuit and macaroni and cheese. And how do you fall asleep at night? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like, how do I make myself sleep? Yeah, like I'm always interested in hearing. I have to have like, my temper down. Right, I right. I have to have my Tempur-Pedic pillow. If I don't have a temper, and I don't even have a deal with these people, and I don't know how I don't. But like it. There's no other pillow that firmly supports my head and I've literally forgotten it on the road and I don't sleep and I'm upset. Um, So I have to have my pillow. Um, 
I look at my phone, which is so stupid. Um, we, my husband and I will have Seinfeld on and whether we're watching it or not, it's on. And usually we just like, if we are together, we will do like make our dog come up on the bed and we flip him over. So he's like laying on his back and we like talk to him in our dumb dog voice and we laugh at ourselves about how weird we are. What I Wore When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director, Perry Samatin. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samatin. P-E-R-R-I-E-S-A-M-O-T-I-N. Our executive producer is Ali Perry, and our producers are Glamour's Kim Fasaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when.